thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sit down, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Got a great show tonight. Awesome show. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of great NBA action this week. We're going to talk about it. Obviously, the Packers and the Commanders this weekend. That game stinks, but we're going to talk about it. I'm really looking forward to Chiefs 49ers, America's Game of the Week, 325 on Sunday. A lot to get to tonight. No guests, so a lot of calls, a lot of texts. Looking forward to it. First, let's talk about the week a little bit. Everyone's buzzing about Sunday night. Latest episode of House of the Dragon really got people talking this week. I don't know if you've seen this. Sunday's episode had a little bit of a foot fetish scene. Yeah, Queen Alicent really got folks talking. Great for the memes. Uh, However, the cringe and the memes have not kept people from watching. Episode 9 boasted massive ratings, which is crazy. However, it's a little less crazy when you consider about a third of the views were just uh, Rex Ryan. (laughs) Over and over and over again. Rewind, rewind, over, yeah. See those toes. Also, I hear the Wall Street Journal is working on a story. Does Queen Allison have COVID toe? Where they got, they're working on that. Looking for lesions, anything like that. Maybe we need a press conference to confirm or deny. Maybe an apology from the reporter. Yeah, we'll get into that. In NBA news, Joel Embiid only scored 15 points last night in a loss to the Bucks. And even worse, he was on the bench when the team made their third quarter comeback after falling behind. He elected not to speak to the media after last night's game. Obviously a bad look. The kind of thing that just gets you crushed on Twitter. Uh, Luckily for Embiid, Taylor Swift dropped a new album last night. So so no one noticed. You ever ever on Twitter when Taylor Swift drops an album? I made that mistake last night. It's like a war zone on Twitter.com. And lastly, speaking of Taylor Swift, her new album Midnight's dropped last night. And according to a story from Billboard that I read today, Swifties believe that her new song, would have, could have, should have throws shade at her ex-boyfriend, John Mayer. I know, yeah, it's a big John Mayer show. Interesting. Now, this isn't the first time, of course, that Taylor Swift fans have connected her song lyrics to her ex-lovers, whether it be Taylor Lautner, Jake Gyllenhaal, Harry Styles. Here's what I want to know. If we sat down a group of Swifties and made them watch Aaron Rodgers' press conferences, like, <laughs> can they figure it out? Can they figure simple? What does that mean? Are we taking shots at someone here? Are we taking shots at McCarthy? LaFleur? Olivia Munn? Who is it? We got a great show! This time you enjoy the game. Try to have fun. Try to make as many good decisions as possible. And try to win games. Oh, that's that's me. I do on TV. Always you with me. <laughs> this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I heard a lot of people complaining about the new Game of Thrones episode, by the way. I thought it was fine. Maybe a little slow. That was the problem. Game of Thrones back in the day, every episode nine was just so hard hitting. Just banger. I mean, every episode, somebody's getting their head cut off or multiple people getting their head cut off. Somebody's dying. There's some great battle. Battle of the Bastards remains one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. The Battle of the Bastards is the television equivalent to that Rams uh, uh, Chiefs game on Monday night a couple years ago. Remember that when it was like 80 to 75 or whatever the final score was? Battle of the Bastards is insane. Episode nine's over the years have been pretty good. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. Maybe a couple of misses, like the lady with the dragon at the end. I don't really know what the point of that was. But hey, 
It's like Jurassic Park, my rule. If there's dragons, I'll watch. Everything else is secondary. If there's dragons, there's dinosaurs. I'm there. Any large reptile, really. And that was talking Game of Thrones. Let's let's do the sports thing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an outstanding Friday. We really have quite the bit of momentum here. I'd say over the last month and a half or so, two months, just eyeballing it. Uh, we don't miss on Fridays, ladies and gentlemen. We just don't. Every Friday show is a banger, which is why I am trying to coin the saying, never miss a Friday show, which is a little bit of a ripoff from Fish and their fans. They always say, never miss a Sunday show, but we're not on on Sunday, so we improvise. I would never miss a Friday show of the Wisco Sports Show. We have a lot to talk about tonight, of course, including the Packers and the Commanders, which is kind of a crummy game. It's going to be Taylor Heineke versus the Packers offense that kind of sucks right now. And the Packers defense, which is underwhelming right now. And we still haven't got the offensive line figured out. It's been six games. We still have no clue what the offensive line looks like, which is surprising and disappointing for a team that's done a really good job with their O-line over the last couple of years. So we're no doubt going to talk about the O-line, what's going on with the Packers and the Commanders. And there are some other awesome games, most notably Chiefs 49ers. Oh, and don't forget Sunday Night Football, Steelers, Dolphins. That's going to be electric it gets even better on monday when the bears play the patriots monday night football <laughs> joe buck and Drakeman punching air so we're going to talk about all of that tonight i want to start with what we saw last night with the bucks 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text the show i'm on twitter at wisco grant there are a million things i want to talk about tonight i could do a full four-hour show on last night alone thursday night football two awesome nba games of course one of them was buck sixers and then Christian McCaffrey just sneaky got traded out of nowhere to the Niners, like to a cool team, to a situation that's going to be really fun to watch. So really just for what happened about, let's say, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. last night, there's hours and hours of content in last night alone. Before we get into specifics and before we break down the Bucks game or Thursday Night Football or anything, I just want to point out sports are really funny. Like, sports are hilarious. We watch to be entertained. We watch to cheer for our teams, but we watch to be entertained. Sports are hilarious. There's a couple of examples from last night. First, the Thursday night football game between the Saints and the Cardinals, it's just a hilarious matchup because they're both kind of off-brand teams, right? You have your franchise cornerstone type of teams, your legacy team, Steelers, Packers, Niners, Cowboys. And then there's the Saints. You're like, eh, it's kind of crummy outside of Drew Brees. Cardinals, not a serious franchise. It's an Aldi matchup. It's not even Walmart. It's Aldi. And I love Aldi. So I'm, look, I, I say that out of love. Aldi is cheap and, you know, the brands are... You're not getting a rolled gold pretzels. As I said yesterday, you're getting like salted pretzel rods in a generic looking bag. So the matchup was hilarious on its face. People were joking last night on Twitter that Kyler Murray's just dying to get done with the game so he can get home to play the new Call of Duty, which came out last night, which is hilarious. Also, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were just having it out on the sideline, including Kyler saying, calm the F down very loudly, which is fun to watch. Last night's game was also utterly hilarious from a fantasy perspective as well. Matthew Barry tweeted this out last night. Not Hopkins, not Benjamin, not Rondale. The human Dorch gets the score. That's Greg Dorch, for those of you who don't know who that is. Add that to Shahid, Keontae, two pick sixes, and Taysom. Has there ever been a game with this many useless points scored? Yeah, a lot of points last night, a lot of action. Didn't really mean anything for fantasy, which is absolutely hilarious, especially when you consider the teams that we're playing. And the Saints and especially the Cardinals are kind of jokes in and of themselves. Next, Bucks Sixers. This game is stacked with superstar talent, right? Two Eastern Conference superpowers. Giannis and Bede both have 
been in MVP conversations the last two or three years. Giannis has won two. James Harden has won an MVP. He was playing last night. Tyrese Maxey looks legit. A lot of stars in this game. And you know how this game was decided? The deciding play in this game was Tobias Harris helping off of Grayson Allen to, to leave Wesley Matthews. Those are the three players. The deciding sequence was Tobias Harris, Wesley Matthews, and Grayson Allen. Imagine helping onto Grayson Allen, who's driving through the paint. I got to help. Got to get a double team on this guy and leaving Wesley Matthews, who hit the go-ahead three. That's hilarious. After Brooke Lopez uh, also shot 12 threes in only 17 minutes of play last night, which is hilarious. Lastly, speaking of hilarious, Christian McCaffrey traded to San Francisco. And as a fantasy owner of McCaffrey's, I literally danced around my apartment last night. My season has new life. This is hilarious. This is a tweet from Trevor Sikkema of Pro Football Focus last night. Since 2021, the Niners have spent a second-round pick, three third-round picks, a fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick on running backs. Running backs. So Trey Sermon's in there. Jeff Wilson's in there. They've drafted others. And now a lot of picks going to McCaffrey. It's just like... Your best running backs are the guys no one's ever heard of, but by all means, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch keep sinking draft resources into the running back position. Two hilarious tweets from Adam Schefter last night, both working PR, because the Christian McCaffrey trade is announced, and everyone's like, holy balls, that's a lot of picks. So then the statement from some voice in the 49ers organization speaking through Adam Schefter, get a load of this, quote, here's some of the consistency that San Francisco hopes to get with Christian McCaffrey. Kyle Shanahan is on his sixth year as 49ers head coach, and the Niners have had a different leading rusher in each of his five seasons. The 49ers haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since Frank Gore in 2014. So to fix that problem, which isn't really a problem, they traded a mountain of draft picks for an injury-prone running back. Okay, here's another tweet. This is the funniest thing I saw of last night. 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is scheduled to fly to San Francisco on Friday when he will meet his new teammates and begin to learn the new playbook. It will be challenging to have him in uniform Sunday versus the Chiefs, but McCaffrey did go to Stanford, and anything is possible. (laughs) Well, guys, I know it's a quick turnaround to Sunday, but he went to Stanford. I mean, come on. (laughs) I can't believe this is a real thing that was tweeted by Schefter last night. Is that what was going on in the meeting room? John Lynch, Shanahan, Shanahan's like, John, we got to get him suited up for Sunday. Oh, there's no way he'll learn the playbook in time. Uh, John, don't you remember where he went to college? He went to Stanford. I think he'll pick it up. (laughs) Just three or four different things between the Bucs and the Sixers, Thursday Night Football, and then the McCaffrey trade. I'm laughing out loud in my living room last night. Every once in a while, sports make you laugh. And I wanted to point that out. Let's talk about the Bucs win. They beat the Sixers last night, 90-88. to And the game was really decided on a play that included Tobias Harris, Wesley Matthews, Grayson Allen. That's hilarious. In the big picture... Stats aside, before I ever looked at the box score, because I didn't check the score or the stats at any point during the game. I was just watching. So before I looked at any of the numbers, listened to press conference or anything, when the game ended, first thing I text my buddies, you probably said the same thing. That's just a good win. That's a good win right there. It's a good character win. That win, I think, really showed how the Bucks are wired, their personality, right? They took an 11-point lead at the end of the third quarter, and then they gave it up in a matter of what felt like two minutes. They're throwing the ball out of bounds. Drew Holiday is doing that thing that he sometimes does where you wonder how he's good at basketball. You're like, wait, this is the, that's not Drew Holiday. Oh, okay, well, there's the defense, there's the plays, but he has these stretches. And he has games sometimes where it just looks so bad, and he was doing that in the third quarter and into the early fourth where the Sixers were coming back from down 11. And it would have been easy for the Bucks after blowing that lead in Philly to just, eh, just, just quit, you know. It's the Sixers' home opener. It's their night. 
They're already 0-1. They're fighting tooth and nail to, got, to not go 0-2, excuse me. We're without Chris Middleton. We're without Pat, Pat Connaughton. Screw it. Screw it. We'll just, the Sixers made their run. We'll fold. And they didn't. And that's how this team is wired. It starts with Giannis, but it's really everyone on this team. It's a team mentality. It's a culture thing, really. And we watch some other teams in the state where something goes south and you know, they might fold. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, it, the, the team name rhymes with uh, Breen Pay Lackers. Yeah, that that team. Very Lafleurian to just have one thing go wrong and then nah, throw in the towel. The books don't do that. So from a macro perspective, setting statistics aside, setting X's nose aside, just from a character and vibe standpoint, I thought last night's game was an awesome example of how our Bucks are wired. And that was really nice to see early on in the year, obviously on opening night for the Bucks. Digging into the more specific things from last night and into the stats, again, the first thing you notice is that Brooke Lopez took 12 threes, which is hilarious. After we get past that, which took me a moment last night, I, I laughed at that for a couple seconds, is quite jarring the way in which the Bucks limited Philly from beyond the arc. Because for the last couple of seasons, the Bucks have won a lot of games. They've won a finals. They probably should have gone to another finals, and they blew it. They were young and inexperienced against Toronto. And then in the bubble, things kind of went south. They've been a very good team that's been right there at the end of the year, right on the cusp of the finals or two seasons ago winning the finals, right? But they've always given up threes. That's always been a bugaboo is they just let teams take a lot of uncontested threes. And I don't think it's the worst strategy, just like bites at the apple isn't the worst strategy, but it's how you execute that strategy and exactly how you frame it and exactly how as fans we see it. And sometimes we just look at our TV and we see Grant Williams wide open, shooting as many wide open uncontested threes as he wants. And again, it's not the worst strategy in the world, but frame it a little different, sell a little different, make it look a little different on our TV. Well, last night, this looked like a completely new Bucks team, the way they defended the arc. The Sixers only took 27 threes, or 24 threes, excuse me, they took 24. James Harden took, what was it, 20... James Harden took 21... God, I can't find anything. James Harden took 24 shots from the field total. The Sixers as a team took only 24 threes. I'm tripping over my stats here. It's the beginning of basketball season. I'm getting the box score formatting down. I got to get my eyes trained again. The Bucs really limited Philly from beyond the arc, which is a huge departure from what we've seen under Coach Bud. The offense really only worked for Philly when James Harden got hot in the mid-range, and that really wasn't an offensive thing. That was just James Harden doing James Harden things. And as Giannis said after the game, we're going to live with that. We're going to live with James Harden taking tough twos, floaters, no layups, no threes. They really, really buckled down on the three-point line. And if you have some time today and if you have a subscription, read Eric Name's piece about this. Talk to Charles Lee in training camp, Bucks assistant, the associate head coach after Darvin Ham is now gone. He's with the Lakers, and we watched him last night, too. Charles Lee talked to Eric Name about this in training camp and emphasized it. We're really going to tighten up on the three-point line. And last night, in this particular matchup, really, really showed the importance of Brooke Lopez. Because Brooke Lopez didn't have a lot of help against Joel Embiid because they were guarding that three-point line a little tougher than we've seen. Giannis, after the game last night, I thought a really good job talking about the importance of Brooke Lopez and just how good he is defensively. Kind of, You kind of forget you know, how important he is for our, our defense. And, you know, you, uh, this is my year of five with him. Uh, you kind of take, take him for granted. But, the you know, the games that he didn't play last year, um, you kind of realize the, the load you have to carry when Brook is not on the floor. Like uh, me and Bobby, we had to be everywhere. We had to uh, take the heat from the big man, box out, rebound, try to block shots. But uh, just having Brook there, a 
big body that he can help us rebound. Uh, he can deflect shots. Uh, he can box out. Uh, he can make shots for us offensively and space the floor. He can crash the boards. Like just, he's uh, he's incredible. In conclusion, before we take our first break, the Bucks showed exactly what they're made of last night. They just have that. I don't want to sound cliche. They got that dog in them. They just don't fold. They don't give up. It would have been easy to throw in the towel. Sixers home opener. Bucks are down Middleton. Bucks are down Connaughton. Sixers are already 0-1. They don't want to go 0-2. It would have been easy for the Bucks to say, eh, screw it. They wouldn't have even been that mad today. They weren't favored to win last night anyways, but they didn't. And that's not something that we always see with the Packers or with some of our other teams or any teams that you watch. Every team has a different personality. I love the personality of the Bucks. That was on display. I loved the way their defense tightened up along the three-point line. And if you're telling me that the best team, in my opinion, is the Bucks with the best player, who's Giannis, now they decided that they want to defend the three-point line? Good luck. Good luck, everybody else. Have fun this season. Let's take a break. 608-796-2558. Come back. I want to talk a little bit more about last night's game and something I've been seeing with the Sixers. I want to relate it to the Packers. This isn't the Philly sports show. But I've been seeing something with the Sixers through two games, and it really reminds me of the Packers. We first talked about this on Wednesday. I want to talk more about it coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. This is not me being political at all. This is just incredible. I'm on Twitter and somebody retweeted some news reporter or somebody, I don't know, retweeted a tweet from the Ron Johnson campaign account. And it's pictures of him signing shoes at a middle school. Like these kids have taken their shoes off and Ron Johnson is signing them. What is this? (laughs) It's like he's an NBA player. He's signing shoes for these kids. Like this kid at the front of the line. I'm looking at the picture right now. He took one of his Jordans off and Ron Johnson is signing it. Am I am I missing something? What is this? You know, I hate election season, but I also really love it. Because so many of these politicians, and it's all politicians on both sides of the aisle. When they've worked in government for, you know, more than 10, 12 years. What was Ron Johnson? Was he office in 2010? I think I was in seventh grade. They just... They just get weird. Like when they interact with us normals, I just, some of the best content is election content. I retweeted it at Wisco Grant. He looks like he's Brandon Jennings. He's signing shoes for the kids. This is incredible. Anyways, let's talk in politics. We're talking NBA right now. Bucks beat the Sixers last night, 90 to 88. And as Giannis said in his postgame presser, you know, if you told me this morning we were going to score 90 points in Philadelphia and win, that's pretty good. Yeah. The Sixers made their run at the start of the fourth quarter, and I thought the Bucks showed a lot of metal to not throw in the towel. They could have thrown in the towel. It was the Sixers' home opener. Nobody would have blamed but Chris Middleton's not playing. Pat Connaughton's not playing. Giannis, I mean, Giannis was incredible, but it's not like he had a huge scoring night. Giannis had 21 points. He also had 13 rebounds and eight assists and three blocks. You know, just, again, because he's Giannis. Even in a game where he's not putting up ridiculous numbers, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. Right, but Giannis said after the game, if you told me this morning we were going to score 90 and win in Philly, I'd take it. Yeah, it was really impressive last night. They're locking down their defense along the three-point line as well, which if the Bucks start doing that this season, uh, I don't know what the rest of the league is supposed to do. 
796-2558. You can text to call the show, and you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. On Wednesday, we did a fun segment that I, I don't think we could do every week, but every once in a while, it's a segment that maybe we'll do again, where we laugh at other teams that are experiencing issues that normally our teams experience, right? It's funny when it happens to other people, right? Like the Eagles offense. We were talking about the Eagles and how like they'll score a bunch of points in the second quarter and then their offense will shut off for the rest of the game. Very Matt LaFleur Packers like, right? It's funny when it happens to another team. And I wouldn't be surprised. Watch the Eagles lose like two or three games in a row at some point this season. We always think that the undefeated teams are going to win every single game. And if you have the one seed on October 31st, you're going to have the one seed at the end of the year. I I don't know. Seeing that thing that Matt LaFleur's Packers do. We're seeing that with the Eagles. Kyler Murray fighting with his coach on the sideline last night. That was really funny. Normally, that's Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. It's funny to see Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray fighting on the sideline. That's fantastic. Right? So this idea of noticing things with other teams that we normally notice with our own teams. I want to talk about the Sixers for a sec because I think it, it's it's very comparable to what's going on with the Packers and what has been going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers for a while. I know it's only two games. I understand. I understand we've only seen two games. But so far through two games, Harden looks healthy, in great shape. He seems to be motivated. I'd say if you're a Sixers fan, what you've seen through the first two games, couldn't have expected anything better from James Harden. P.J. Tucker looks like he's still P.J. Tucker, which is great for the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey appears to have taken another step. He still looks blazing fast. He was making great plays last night, and he was the other night, too, against Boston when I watched him. DeAnthony Melton is a really good ad. The Sixers are coming together and convalescing in a way that I think in the offseason would have been ideal. Everyone looks good. All the additions, all the reorganizing, restructuring, it looks good. However, their own two... And Joel Embiid, who is their best player in the face of their franchise, and I think at this point, probably the face of the city, I don't think he's having a good time. And he doesn't look like he's fitting in. I don't know if it's because he's not in shape or he's not dialed in yet. Again, I know it's only been two games, but I felt like I was watching the 2019 Rockets last night. Right? And you know who didn't like playing on the Rockets? The other guy next to James Harden, whether it was Chris Paul and then Westbrook, although Westbrook's got a different thing going on. My point, for years, the Rockets built a team around James Harden to let James Harden play the way that James Harden wanted to play, and it worked, and there were gaudy numbers, and they probably should have made an NBA Finals. But they never did, and it never really worked for any other high-level player on the Rockets. And I wonder now, Embiid is watching Harden dribble, 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 hundreds of times every game and everyone's just supposed to spread out and get out of James Harden's way. And last night it worked. The only good Sixers offense last night is when James Harden got cooking to start the fourth and he was living in the mid range and and just really dialed in not from three and not, not from distance, but he was attacking the basket and doing James Harden things, things that we've seen James Harden do for years. But how does Embiid fit with that? How does Tyrese Maxey fit with that? Because every time James Harden starts to dribble, 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 slow it down, isolate, play in space, attack the rim, everyone else is just standing around watching. So that's not the type of offense that's going to maximize Embiid or Tyrese Maxey. Might be great for P.J. Tucker, who stands in the corner, or DeAnthony Melton, who's a backup point guard, right? But aren't we supposed to highlight Embiid? This is his team. Isn't Tyrese Maxey the future? Aren't we supposed to highlight it? And it doesn't seem like the Sixers are doing that. And it makes me think of Aaron Rodgers, right? And I don't mean it in a bad way. This is not an anti-Aaron Rodgers argument here. But Aaron Rodgers likes to play a certain way. 
as I think we've talked about like pretty smartly on the show this week, right? We've heard Aaron Rodgers' words about how he likes the West Coast offense because it's based on tempo, and it's based not on motion, but on a static defense, reading the defense, making your reads, and then individual players, wide receivers, running backs, whoever, winning individual matchups, then the quarterback puts the ball on a dot. That's the way that Aaron Rodgers wants to play. The problem is, that's really hard to do when your wide receivers aren't good. And it's really hard to do if Aaron Rodgers isn't perfectly dialed in. And Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable, but even he has poor stretches of games by his standards. Even Aaron Rodgers occasionally misses a throw. And when Aaron Rodgers isn't 100% dialed in, or when the wide receivers aren't elite like they were early in Aaron Rodgers' career, it's hard to move the ball with that West Coast offense. And the idea of Matt LaFleur is we're going to take some of that pressure off. Now, maybe Aaron Rodgers gets bored. Maybe he's not perfectly comfortable, but it's going to be easier for Rodgers. But Rodgers doesn't always want to play that way. So in 2016, I think 2016 is a perfect example. Early on in the year, Aaron Rodgers was playing Aaron Rodgers' offense. West Coast, sitting back in the pocket, waiting for receivers to win their individual matchups, trying to make great throws, and it just wasn't working, right? The start of 2016 was poor. And then about halfway through the season... Aaron Rodgers really found it, and he was playing MVP caliber football as they ran the table. And then he continued to do that in the playoffs, and they won that incredible game against the Cowboys with the throw to Jared Cook. And then obviously in the NFC Championship game, they met up with the Falcons, and I think rent just kind of came due, and they finally played a team that was that much better, and Aaron Rodgers no longer could do it by himself. But I think Packers fans, we could agree that even when Rodgers is playing that great, it's still not the most sustainable brand of football, right? It's hard. You're asking a lot of your quarterback. And when night in, night out, week in and week out, I should say in the case of football, or when you need to win multiple playoff games in a row, it's just a lot to ask of your quarterback to be perfect and to be a superhero with a lackluster receiving core or with an offensive line that isn't great. Or in the case of 2016, a defense that was also really limited, right? So to bring this back to James Harden, when James Harden has the perfect supporting cast around him and when he's dialed in, He can put up gaudy numbers, and the offense can look really good. But when you need to win multiple playoff series in a row, and when you need to go against really good defenses that are going to beat you up and really challenge you, it's a lot for James Harden to do. I don't even blame James Harden for coming up short in the playoffs sometimes because these offenses are designed around him. Crazy usage, crazy amount of shots, right? crazy amount of dribbles. It's just hard for one man to do all of that. But that's how James Harden likes to play, just like that's how Aaron Rodgers likes to play. I get very similar vibes with what's going on with James Harden and the Sixers, where James Harden wants to play a certain way, and it's up to everyone else to make it work. And it's really hard to beat good teams that way. It's really hard to win a lot of games that way. And I I think similarly about Aaron Rodgers. I love watching him when he's dialed in and he's getting outside the pocket and he's improvising and he's doing these head nod things and points with his wide receivers. But it's a lot to ask of Aaron Rodgers. And it's not always best with the offensive line. He doesn't know where Aaron Rodgers is going. And these wide receivers, if they can't get open and they're not elite, well, then where do they fit in this offense, right? It's it's tough. And I see a lot of what we've seen with Aaron Rodgers over the years now going on with James Harden and Philly. It's like, well, it's great when it works, and it works a lot, but is it going to work at the highest level in the playoffs? And is it really maximizing everyone else on the roster? And that's really what I'm seeing with the Sixers. Are we getting the best out of Tyrese Maxey? We're not getting the best out of Joel Embiid. He was so pissed after the game, he didn't even talk to the media last night. 608-796-2558. Before we take a break, let's talk to our guy, Cone Roller, who's played such a large role in the show this week. I love it. What's up, Cone? Grant, love the Friday show. You're right. Never miss a Friday show. Never miss a Friday show. I love it. 
I loved the love the Game of Thrones talk opening up. Uh, really excited for for this uh, Sunday's episode. The finale has um, got to be nuts, right? Like they need to give us we, something insane in the finale because we haven't really had anything insane up to this point. We need dragons, yeah. just like the Packers need weapons. <laughs> we don't always need dragons, but we need dragons right now. We won't always need it, but we just to quote Mike McCarthy, we won't always need football, but we need football right now. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, who who do you think steps up from, uh, you know, the Targaryen dynasty and, and takes the throne? Do you think it's going to be Aegon, or I, I'm kind of liking Aemon with, you know, uh, okay. with the eye patch. It's funny, Did we have we talked about this? I hated that kid up until this last episode, and now he's he's kind of, he's got that dog in him. Like, he's just fighting for what's his. He's training with the sword. He's learning the histories. Like, I, I kind of like Aemon. Very respectful. He understands his role as not the eldest son. I he was such a crummy kid, and I hated him. But I I kind of in on Aemon Targaryen. Yeah, I think the getting slashed in the eye kind of humbles him. Um, yes. So I, I'm I'm all I'm on team Aemon. Yeah, I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. No, I'm with you. I like the Thrones talk. This is fun. Eric on I ninety will have to chime in at some point tonight. I'm sure. What do you think about uh, the Sixers? So both the Bucks last night, and I was like connecting our team so i'm watching harden last night i'm like this is kind of rogers like at times like do you think there's am, am i onto something or i'm am i just talking on my butt on that um i think you could make the connection um you know it is a friday show so you know kind of anything goes yeah but uh yeah I, I don't know i think james harden you know he's kind of the you know kind of the aau player that yeah you, know, you can kind of grow to hate yeah um, which, you know, I don't know if that relates necessarily to Rogers, but you know, I'm a Rogers guy through and through. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll burn down King's landing for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> do anything for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Oh my God. Are they going to beat the commanders on but, Sunday? Uh, that's a tough question. It um, shouldn't be the last couple, the, the last couple weeks I've said the Packers will win, but the opposing team will cover Yeah. this week. I think the Packers, I think it's a get right game. You know, it's an easy opponent, yeah. knock on wood. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think they get right. I don't think, I mean, people are all scared about Taylor Heineke, but, you know, there's a reason he was Carson Wentz's backup up until now. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about him. Um, you know, I think they should, if they're not playing with fire on Sunday, I don't know what it's going to take for this team to get to get up and get ready. Maybe yeah. some blue chew around the locker room, but <laughs> they, they just need to get up. Why is it that I can watch the Bucks last night fighting tooth and nail in a game that, I mean, it means something, but it's, you know, it's opening night. No one would have blamed the Bucks last night if Philly surged at the end and won their first game on their home opener. No one would have blamed the Bucks for that. And yet they're still fighting and they're that team that just, I love the way that they're wired. And then on the other hand, the Packers are the exact opposite. It's just such a bummer. Yeah. I think it's just kind of the way that, you know, the Wisconsin teams just kind of go in in flows. Sure. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. What do you got going on this weekend? You listen to some Buffett tonight, I hope. It is a Fins Up Friday. Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, using your recommendation on, uh, you know, my fish fry Friday last week. <laughs> I was, you know, jamming to some James Taylor, you know, maybe a little future. Oh, my God. So it's quite the good variety. This this Friday, I got a, a brewery Friday. So, oh. you know, if you got any song recommendations for going to a new brewery. I'm all for it. I'll think about that. I need some time. Uh, I I was thinking of, I had like five days ago, I had in my head the Jimmy Buffett song that we want to feature this week, but I can't remember. So I have until six o'clock to remember. I'll 
come up with it. Thanks, Cone. Appreciate the call. Yep. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, have a good weekend. That's our friend Cone Roller. Find him on Twitter. Great follow. He's always in the trenches fighting with somebody, and I love that. I love a good Twitter foot soldier. 608-796-2558. Call and text, as Cone has done. Got some texts. I'll get to those coming up next. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Wisco Sports Show, back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills happy friday hope your week is wrapping up nicely it is a fins up friday at some point we're gonna have to listen to some buffett i'm on twitter at wisco grant you can text and call the show 608-796-2558 see justin says didn't lynch go to stanford yeah we were talking earlier about the christian mccaffrey trade i think it's gonna be really fun like I own, I'm only in one fantasy league, and I have Christian McCaffrey. I took him second overall, and I'm like, well, this is, this is gonna go amazing, or it's gonna go terribly, and it's just kind of gone fine. And I'm really excited to watch Christian McCaffrey in the 49ers offense. I also think they gave up an unbelievable amount for him, and I don't know if Kyle Shanahan needs elite running backs, but they keep paying for elite running backs, which I think is really funny. And this tweet, the one that Justin is texting about. Last night from Adam Schefter. I just love this. And I, I want to know who in the 49ers was like, hey, we're getting dragged a little bit on Twitter. We just we want to make it seem like, hey, we gave up a lot of picks, but there's a reason why. L- listen to this tweet from Schefter. 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is scheduled to fly to San Fran on Friday where he will meet with his new teammates and begin to learn the playbook. It will be challenging to have him in uniform Sunday versus the Chiefs, but McCaffrey did go to Stanford and anything is possible. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's a whole playbook in two days, but you remember, he did go to Stanford. Uh, yeah, as did the general manager, John Lynch. Uh, thanks for the text, Justin. Uh, we got a text here talking about funny things that happened last night. Pete and Chippewa says, thoughts on Westbrook's offense. 0 for 11 shooting last night, and when he asked how he played after the game, he said, solid. Poor Darvin Ham. I love Darvin Ham. They had him mic'd up a couple of times last night, and I just loved everything he was saying. I really want to see him succeed, but I, I just they built a team with no defense and no three-point shooting. Those are like the two most important things in basketball. And Rob Pulling is like, nah. Nah, we're, we're just going to... A, a bunch of slashers. That's what we're going to build around LeBron James, which makes no sense. Pete says, also, don't forget about Brewers players going into the fetal position after the hater trade. Not exactly a mentally tough ball club. Yeah. Thank you, Pete, for pointing that out. We bang on the Brewers themselves a lot, the front office for trading hater. But it's not like those guys manned up and played baseball at a high level afterwards. So it's nice to see the Bucks, a mentally tough team, a mentally strong team last night, holding on after things got a little shaky in the fourth quarter. No one would have blamed him if they throw in the towel. It's the Sixers home opener. Bucks are down Middleton and Connaughton. It's not supposed to be the Bucks night, and they didn't care. They still fought, and they won that game. Brewers not a mentally tough team, and the Packers are not either. And I just, it's hard for me to watch Matt LaFleur and listen to him talk and picture that guy charging up his team. And these are professionals. They're paid to play football, and they should motivate themselves to a large degree, right? These guys are 25 to 30 years old, a lot of them, some even older. Like If you can't get amped up to go play NFL football nationally televised every weekend, what are you doing? Come on. But also... Every once in a while, the head coach needs to be able to charge the guys up. And I just, 
don't picture Matt LaFleur doing that. Doesn't seem like the type. Now, I'd be okay with the lack of motivation for now if they could figure out a couple of things. Let's talk more about their offensive scheme coming up at 5 o'clock. Right now, I just want to explain how mind-boggled I am about their offensive line. We're six games in. Bakhtiari is now back, and so is Elton Jenkins, and we somehow have more uncertainty about this offensive line than we did in training camp. How? We're still talking about this. Matt LaFleur spoke about it yesterday. Very briefly, he was asked if there are any changes coming on the offensive line. We're kind of like taking, again, that's a something we're, we're trying to feel out right now and see where we're at uh, come Sunday. So, yes. <laughs> that means yes. Matt, uh, just say we're going to keep that in house. Not going to give away strategy. He's, he's tripping over. Well, um, uh, I don't want to give away anything. Uh, uh, we're, you know, we're figuring it out. It's day by day. And, uh, you know, just got to have our put one foot in front of the other. Like, obviously, you're changing something, buddy. We're kind of like taking, again, that's a, something we're, we're D- trying to feel out right now and D- see D- where D- we're at D- uh, D- come Sunday. So, yes. Uh, yes. They are changing the offensive line. I don't know if that means Jenkins is at guard instead of tackle. I pray to the heavenly father that Royce Newman will not be out there because he single-handedly summarine Sunday's game on top of some other things. But, you know, Royce Newman was that bad, but Matt LaFleur, Hey, you're going to change the O-line. Uh, um, you know, uh, I can't, I can't tell again. That's a blow the secret. I want Ron Rivera to know. Yeah, we'll see game time decision. Uh, hot, hot, we'll go with the hot hand. Oh shoot. It's O-line. That doesn't make sense. Uh, we'll, we'll do whatever we think is best with the five, five best guys out there. That's, that's what we'll do. Thanks, Matt. Uh, we're kind of like taking, again, that's a, something we're, we're trying to feel out right now and see where we're at, uh, come Sunday. He followed up saying that they're just trying to figure out what's best for the offensive line. That's something you're always kind of balancing with all these guys because it's, okay, do you move one guy? Do you end up moving two guys? How does that work out? Or do you just work through what we're going through right now and coach better and go out there and execute fundamentally at a higher level? Well, they do need to execute better. Don't get me wrong. I also am just in favor of putting better offensive linemen out on the field. And Royce Newman stinks. I don't mean to be personal. I don't know the guy. Looks nice, looks friendly, probably good guy, I'm sure, but he stinks. So I don't know why this is so hard. I don't know why this is so hard. It's it's all of the Packers coaches, really, with Joe Barry. It's like, hey, man, it's been almost two months. There were things obvious to me in the first quarter of the Vikings game, and I'm an idiot, okay? I'm not a football coach, and I can watch my TV and say, you know, they should mix up their fronts a little bit, maybe Maybe run a twist every once in a while. Would it kill you to run a stunt? You know, would it would it kill you? Just every once in a while. Hmm, Jair Alexander in zone. That that seems like a waste of resources. But then again, what do I know? Again, first quarter of the first game, this is what I'm thinking. Rasul Douglas in the slot, that's not gonna work. I could have told you that in the offseason. And we're six games in, and Joe Bear's like, well, we're working through it. Well, work faster, buddy, because your team's three and three. Same with Stenovich and LaFleur on the O-line. Well, we're just trying to figure out what's best. Again, it's not that hard. I understand there's a feeling out period. I understand no one plays in the preseason, so everyone gets an excuse to play terrible football for a month when the season starts. But it's not that hard. Watch the film. Just watch the film. Did we need to start 3-3 three and three to really start 
like critically considering some of these changes. Matt LaFleur actually says that starting three and three isn't the end of the world. Look at all the records around the league. There's a lot of parity in our league and the competitive balance. There's only a handful of plays that separates each and every game. All you can focus on is whatever the next play is. You know, you got to have that one play mindset being so deliberate and being so intentional with your focus. And it takes great focus to go out there and execute consistently at a really high level. I actually agree with all that. The league is really compressed right now, which is why I don't necessarily understand all-in moves like the Christian McCaffrey deal. It's like, this is our year to win. Well, you're three and three and, you know, like, I don't know. Going all-in in the NFL is a bad idea. It doesn't mean you can't be aggressive, but going all-in like the Rams did last year, I understand it worked. I think if you ran back last season 10 times, the Rams win a Super Bowl in one or fewer of those outcomes. I think they got incredibly lucky. And I think other teams are now chasing what the Rams did last year, right? The Broncos, oh, we have a good roster. Let's just trade for a quarterback. Well, if the quarterback is on the block, there's probably a good reason. Matthew Stafford in Detroit was an outlier. Seattle wouldn't just give away Russell Wilson if they thought he was elite. And if people liked him and people don't like him and he's not elite. Wow, look at that, right? Nobody's giving away players just because that was pretty unique with the lions. So now you're paying way above market value for a guy like Russell Wilson or for Christian McCaffrey. I get it. It's going to be a nice ad. It's going to be a great addition to the team. It's going to really fit, but does it really do that much to separate the Niners from the rest of the pack? No, probably not at all. So I get what Matt LaFleur is saying. There's very few number of plays that separate wins and losses week to week. Absolutely. That being said, you lost by 17 at home to the damn jets. Like, don't tell me you're just, you know, just a couple plays. Nah, that was more than a couple plays, bro. Your team quit in the second quarter, and your offensive line looks like a catastrophe, despite having two all-pros in there. So let's figure it out, buddy. 608-796-2558. We'll talk more Packers. Try to get this offensive line figured out coming up next. Remember, you can always tweet me as well. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Got a couple of minutes before we got a break here at 5 o'clock. I want to talk about the Packers' offensive scheme because for yesterday's show, I did like over an hour's worth of research. Now, I put a lot of like time into the show. Normally, I wake up, have some coffee, write down a couple of things. Oh, I could do a segment on this tonight, this, that, the other thing. And then throughout the afternoon, right, looking up numbers and stuff. Like, I, I prepare all throughout the day, but yesterday, I had like an hour straight where I was digging up numbers from True Media about motion in the Packers offense and are they good with motion without whether it be running passing tempo all these different things and I put like an hour into it and we talked about it quickly yesterday and then we moved on so I kind of want to get back into that because I feel like I'm really getting close to drawing some conclusions about the Packers offense so that's coming up next Vinny texts in 608-796-2558 responding to that Matt LaFleur cut we were listening to this is the one by the way talking about parity in the league Look at all the records around the league. There's a lot of parity in our league and the competitive balance. There's only a handful of plays that separates each and every game. All you can focus on is whatever the next play is. You know, you got to have that one play mindset being so deliberate and being so intentional with your focus. And it takes great focus to go out there and execute consistently at a really high level. Vinny makes a great point. He says, come on, no one is thinking of parity this weekend with the Packers and Commanders. 
if the pack doesn't win this game or it's close, Green Bay has serious issues. That'd be really funny, though. Like, if Terry, Howie, Michael, and Jimmy come on the game, you know, Fox OT or whatever it is, their post-game show or their their halftime coverage in between the noon and the 3 o'clock game, let's say the Packers lose to the Commanders and they go to the studio and <laughs> Howie, bat and leadoff, says, actually, I, you know, today's Packer-Commanders game is just a, a great example of parody in our league. You know, what, what, a, what a healthy competitive league we have. No, no one's going to say that. They're going to come out and crush the Packers for playing like dump for the fourth week in a row. You know what I mean? So I think that's an excellent point, Vinny. We can talk about parity and how all of these records are the same. But at the end of the day, if you have a great quarterback and a very good roster like the Packers, you should be beating the Jets of the world and the Giants of the world. And you should definitely be beating Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. Who I'm not sure they really do anything well. You know, I hear all week long, well, they have a really good D-line. Yeah, a lot of teams have a good defensive line. And you know what? Lots of teams have smart defensive coordinators. And yet when the Packers play some mid-team that has a a defensive coordinator that's been around the league for a while, it becomes the whole thing. Well, you know, Wink Martindale, he's just such a wizard. I I don't know how we're expected to score on the crummy-ass Giants. Come on, man. Like, yeah, Wink Martindale's great, but he's got a bunch of grocery baggers playing cornerback, and you're in London with a home crowd. Figure it out. Or with the Jets. Well, their defensive line is is just outstanding. There's a lot of good defensive lines in the league. Does that mean we should be losing by 17 at home to the Jets? No. And it's going to be the same crap this weekend with the Commanders. If the game is close, all we're going to hear about is, well, Ron Rivera, I just have so much respect for him. There's a lot of good coaches. A lot of respect for a lot of different coaches. You should still beat the Commanders at home. Well, their defensive line is just nasty. You know what? The Packers' defensive line should be nasty, too. Why are we going to keep hearing about... Oh, the Packers can't win this game. They have a defensive coordinator who's got half a brain. Unlike us, we employed Joe Barry. I don't know how we were expected to win. Like, you get what I'm saying? It's very frustrating. It was the same with the Patriots. That Patriots team, not nearly as good as the Packers made them look. And yet it was justified to us by the Packers because, well, Bill Belichick's just basically Gandalf. Come on. I'm with you, Vinny. Good text. We'll be back in two minutes. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Western Wisconsin sports leader, WKTY Lacrosse, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Just try to enjoy the game. Try to have fun. Try to make as many good decisions as possible. And try to win games. Oh, that's that's me. I do TV. Always you wish me. <laughs> This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm looking at Jimmy Buffett's Spotify right now. Because every Friday towards the end of the show, at Wisco Grant, I tweet out a Jimmy Buffett song. Fins up. It's Friday. And earlier this week, I was driving. Was I driving to Walmart? Where was I going? And I thought, oh, my God. I have a Jimmy Buffett song for this week. I, I, I can't wait to tweet this one out. And now I can't remember what it is. So I'm, I'm just looking through albums here trying to figure out which one it was. God, this is annoying. I, this happens with me in Twitter all the time where I see a tweet and I'm like, oh, God, what a great stat. Or what a great thing. I can't wait to share that on the show. And then I forget to save the tweet. And then I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm searching keywords and I can't find it. Just combing Spotify right now looking for a Jimmy Buffett song. 
Yeah, I don't know. We got until 6 o'clock. Hopefully we can figure it out. On the Joe Barry front, Nick tweets in at Wisco Grant, says, I hope we win on Sunday, but if not, I hope you've been working on that song, Sinking of the Joe Barry Defense, Grant Lightfoot, LOL. Well, actually, it would be the wreck of the Joe Barry Defense. But I get your point, and thank you for the tweet. I'm not trying to be critical here. I, I didn't, you know what? I wish, take it all back. Nick, thank you for the tweet. Excellent joke, very topical. Uh, I'm interviewing someone next week for our Edmund Fitzgerald show, which will be coming up in early November. Very excited. It's actually someone who's dove the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. He's seen it with his own eyes. Very excited to talk to this guy. So bookmark, bookmark that. Still a couple weeks away. But Nick, since you brought it up, thank you for the tweet at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers. We talked a lot of bucks back near four o'clock. They beat the Sixers last night, and I thought it was a game that really showed how this Bucks team is wired, and it really showed their personality and how they're not a bunch of pushovers like some of the other teams we watch in this state. That was very refreshing. That was nice. Also, a little bit of a new look Bucks defense, at least in the first game. They're really prioritizing defending the three point line this year, which I love. And just from a, a common sense standpoint, it makes sense. You should spread your defense out a little bit farther. You don't need to work as hard as other teams defending the rim because you have Brooke Lopez, who's unbelievable defending the paint and protecting the basket. And you have Giannis, who's, if not the best help defender in the league right now, maybe one of the best help defenders ever. So the Bucs have the personnel to be a little bit thinner inside and still play elite defense, and they did last night. Joel Embiid just could not get it going, and the offense was actually best when he was on the bench. And James Harden was running the offense basically by himself. Now, that presents problems, too, which we also talked about in the first hour of the show. And you can catch all that in the podcast. Just look up Wisco Sports Show wherever you get your shows. That'll be up just after 6 o'clock. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Yesterday, we were talking about the Packers scheme, right? Because ever since Aaron Rodgers' press conference on Sunday, we've been talking about Simple, simple, simple. Should we simplify things? Is, it, is the offense too complicated? This is Aaron Rodgers. I made a super cut of all the times he mentioned simple. Or one of the beat reporters brought up the idea of simplicity. It's 37 seconds long. Simply. Simplify some things. I think it's going to be in our best interest to simplify things. Just simplify some things. and Simplification notwithstanding. And that's why I think we need to simplify things. It was very simple things. Very simple plays. Then we need to simplify things. Now it's, oh, we need to simplify Rain it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. Uh, the simplest plays are the best plays. Might be time to reel it back in a little bit and, and uh, simplify some things. Simple mistakes. We're making, so we're making simple, simple mistakes, mistakes on complex, complex plays. plays. That one's my favorite. To me, the natural response is to simplify things even more. That's my favorite quote. As he stares contemplatively, contemplatively, what's the word? As he contemplates, he stares off towards the back of the room and says, we're making simple mistakes on complex plays. So all week long, Packers fandom has been bickering amongst themselves. Well, Matt LaFleur needs to simplify. He needs to do this, that, the other thing. And then the other half of Packers fan was like, Aaron Rodgers needs to shut up and run the scheme. They need to execute better. And then basically throughout the week, we've heard Aaron Rodgers kind of backtrack a little bit and say, well, what I meant by that is we need to simplify things in our own minds and we need to execute better. But also, you know, simplify the whatever. Right. We've been talking about this all week. And one sticking point that I've seen with Packers fans is motion. Right. Now, we've known from past comments and past interviews by Aaron Rodgers that he's not a huge fan of motion. He likes West Coast offense when things are more static. 
it's not about scheming guys open, but it's about letting guys get open in advantageous one-on-one matchups. And then it's on the quarterback to identify those matchups and deliver the ball exactly where it needs to go. A little bit of a higher degree of difficulty, but if you have the horses, what are you going to do? Like go back and watch the 2011 Packers. There's no scheme that could take that away. They were just better, right? And the West Coast offense with Mike McCarthy at the time, that was the best offense. That maximized what they had. Now, I don't know if the team is in the same position. Obviously, their personnel is different. Aaron Rodgers is a different quarterback. He's 39 next month. Not blaming the guy, you know? So we've been talking about motion this week. Packers fans saying, oh, got to get rid of motion. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like it. Or some Packers fans say, we need more motion. Aaron Rodgers can suck it. Take a hike, buddy. Run the motion or get out of town, right? It's a very, very hot topic this week. So I applied myself yesterday, and I went and found the numbers. Okay, and exactly when the Packers are succeeding on offense and when they're not succeeding, and maybe there's some trends with motion. There are a couple. According to True Media, on run plays without motion, the Packers rank fourth in EPA per play, which is, with sparing the dirty details, because I don't even really understand the dirty details, you're getting offense down to the most granular, granular measurement. Every single play, how many points are you adding? So is that play worth, you know, 0.5 points, 0.3 points, negative 0.1 points, you know what I mean? So the Packers on EPA per play, they're fourth in the entire league on run plays without motion. On run plays with motion, they rank 24th. That's significant. That's enough, even through only six games, to to identify. That's enough to say. That's significant. That's not nothing. Now, on passing plays, it's a little bit less descriptive. On dropbacks with motion, they rank 24th. And on dropbacks without motion, they're 21st. The difference really isn't large enough for me on passing plays to draw some conclusion about whether or not motion is good or bad. It just seems like the passing offense isn't working in general, whether guys are moving around or whether they're staying in one place. Right. So it seems at least with running plays that Aaron Rodgers is onto something. Maybe we could simplify things a little bit. Maybe the motion doesn't seem to be adding anything to the running offense. So we'll just get rid of it. Do less of it. In fact, the running plays have been better when there is no motion. So Aaron Rodgers wants to simplify and Aaron Rodgers likes the West Coast offense. Again, these are his words, not mine. He likes the simple West Coast offense because you can get tempo right in his issues with Matt LaFleur's offense, even in practice. And again, these are his words. You can't get any tempo. You can't get any pace. Everything's so slow because you got away for the tight end to motion over here and the running back to motion out this way and the wide receiver to shift from here to here. It's also slow. I don't get it because this team doesn't run tempo. They haven't run tempo in forever. Remember when Chip Kelly broke the NFL because he ran plays so fast and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and the Packers offense, they were going no huddle and up tempo and defenses couldn't get off the field. And it was actually like the thing to do in the NFL was to go no huddle and go fast, fast, fast. It's not really the thing anymore. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, coaches from that school don't use pace at all. In fact, under Matt LaFleur the last three years, three years and six games, the Packers rank 30th in no huddle snaps. They're just not doing it, right? So if Aaron Rodgers wanted to nix motion for the sake of pace, well, we're not getting any pace. So maybe we should talk about pace. If Rodgers wants pace, maybe we should talk pace, but they don't seem to be connected, right? So Aaron Rodgers on one hand, he wants more pace, but the team doesn't have any pace. On the other hand, he wants to simplify things to get pace, but the pace isn't there. So I, I don't know. The way I'm seeing the numbers and the way I'm seeing the rankings, there there are shreds. There are there are little, little clues here and there 
is to where the Packers could maybe simplify some things and it would make sense, but only these little nuggets. I don't know if there's big, obvious conclusions to be drawn, just little nuggets, just little tidbits here and there. Here's my two cents, okay? Here's the conclusion that I've come to about this whole simplicity ordeal and motion and pace and West Coast offense versus what Matt LaFleur wants to do. Here's where I stand, and I think I've got this down to a side. I feel pretty strong about this, okay? No matter what scheme is run, first and foremost, the Packers have to execute better, and they can. I can't imagine the offensive line will look as poor this weekend as it did last weekend. I think they're tweaking at that position group. Matt LaFleur won't say it, of course, but I think they are. I think they're going to make some adjustments up front where guys are lined up, and I think the execution will be better. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball better than he has. He's looked really poor the last two or three weeks, and I think his his on-target percentage is going to go up. I also think that Aaron Jones will get the ball more because it would literally be impossible to give him the ball less and it would be football malpractice to continue to not feed him the way that they have been. And I also think Joe Barry will continue to improve, albeit incrementally, and it probably won't be enough. But I, I think this team will trend in the right direction because they're better than what they've shown. So scheme aside... I think this team will improve just for the sake of regression because they've been so poor. I think they will improve just because the pendulum will swing back the other way. Now, once the O-line is blocking better, once the wide receivers catch the easy passes, and when Rodgers starts making on-target throws, then we can talk about scheme, okay? Personally, I think Matt LaFleur's scheme asks less of wide receivers and less of Aaron Rodgers. It's easier to execute, which I love. I love that. I don't want to ask so much of Romeo Dobbs. I don't want to ask that much of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is about to be 39 years old. I don't want him to have to be the MVP every single play because if that's what it takes, then this team isn't going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers has moments of brilliance and he's got stretches and and moments where he plays like an MVP, but I just don't think it's sustainable to ask him to be that guy every single play. Just like what the Lakers are asking LeBron to do. It's like in year 20, You want LeBron to be your best three-point shooter and you want him to be one of your best defenders? That's just not going to work, right? You're asking too much of him. I don't want to ask that much of Aaron Rodgers. I want his life to be easier, not harder. I want them to play smarter, not harder. So I think Matt LaFleur's scheme asks less of everybody and therefore is easier to execute. So I think the more that we can lean into Matt LaFleur's scheme, the better. And you know that this has been my opinion. It's been my opinion for weeks. But now that I've really dug into some of the numbers and looked at the motion statistics, I I feel a little bit better about saying Matt LaFleur's scheme is good. It's easier to execute. And Aaron Rodgers and everybody should buy into it. However, I think there are some departments where Matt LaFleur can meet Aaron Rodgers halfway, especially with motion. Like if their running offense is fourth best in EPA per play without motion, then let's cut out some of the motion. And if Matt LaFleur really feels strongly in certain looks or in certain packages that motion is necessary, well, let's identify that, right? Well, I understand our running offense is better without motion, but on this specific look, in this specific situation, we really need to motion this wide receiver to make it work. Okay, fine. I'd like to think Aaron Rodgers is reasonable enough to get that. And I think Matt LaFleur is reasonable enough to look at the numbers and realize that maybe some simplification is best. Okay, there's there's a meeting in the middle there. And with the passing offense... When there is motion, let's try to make it efficient motion, necessary motion, not motion for the sake of motion. For example, there was a play that JT O'Sullivan identified in his film breakdown this week, the quarterback school. It's very good. I don't like watching film breakdowns because so many people do it. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't need to know that much about football, but sometimes you just need to learn a little bit. And I was watching JT O'Sullivan's breakdown this week, and I feel like I am smarter about the Packers offense now and some of the things that they do. And one play they ran motion, it was Romeo Dobbs coming from the left side of the formation to the right, lining up in the slot. And then they ran an outside fade. I believe that's what it's called, right? Inside fade, outside fade. I think it might be an inside fade where the wide receiver is lining up inside in the slot and then going down the field and breaking out away from the safety. And it was the fourth down play. And Dobbs had a step. The throw was just a little bit too far in front of him. Again, a lot of these plays, they're right there. They're just not executing. Rodgers just a tick off. The wide receiver's just a tick off. On that play, they use pre-snap motion using Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs doesn't need to be in motion if he's the one that the ball's going to. That seems like we're heaping a lot on a rookie there. But if you want to run some motion to identify the defense, well, have some other wide receiver do it. Have Randall Cobb do it on the other side or or have Juwan Winfrey run a little stunt before the snap. And if that's what Matt LaFleur needs to identify the offense and help Aaron Rodgers march the ball down the field, okay, I'm not anti-motion, but let's not make things harder on our wide receivers. Let's not force Romeo Dobbs to be the motion man as well as, you know, line up and run an inside fade on a critical fourth down. We can be smarter about when we use motion. And I think Matt LaFleur could meet Aaron Rodgers halfway on that. I think this Packers offense has room to grow. And I think there's execution improvements that they will make. And I think there's scheme tweaks and adjustments where Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur can actually meet halfway. There's a lot of people in Packers media or on Packers Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Like Aaron Nagler all the time. I see, no, 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 there doesn't need to be a blending of the schemes. Just run Matt LaFleur's thing, right? Like, at the beginning in, in LaFleur's tenure, it was like well, a little bit of the McCarthy stuff, a little bit of LaFleur stuff. And, and there are some Packers fans that believe that that's just not how it should work. It should be all LaFleur. I disagree. Aaron Rodgers has been in the league a long time. He's won MVPs. He's got a lot to offer. And we got to placate him, okay? We can't just shove a scheme down his throat that he doesn't like. I think there are very innocuous tweaks that Matt LaFleur can make. Adjustments, eliminations, additions, whatever. I think there are some very harmless, easy tweaks that will make Aaron Rodgers feel like he's a part of things, make him feel better about the plays that he's running, and make life easier on everyone, including some of these rookie wide receivers. And I don't want to ask these rookie wide receivers to do too much. So let's simplify things for him. I'm with Rodgers on that. 608-796-2558. Hector in on Alaska. Oh, this is this is not an on-air thing. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll read that. I'll get back to you off the air. Sorry. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to reach out. I have started a Ron Johnson Twitter thread now. There are pictures of him signing kids' shoes at a school today, and I just think it's so funny. It's like he's an NBA player. These pictures are so... Please go look at these pictures. I can't describe it to you. Just go look at it on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about the Packers' offense and whatever else we need to get nailed down before they play the Commanders on Sunday, because this is a game they got to have. And we got 45 minutes left here to talk about things. And I just, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I want to feel like we're ready for a really important must-win game against the Commanders on Sunday. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Simpler. Let's simplify some things. I think it's going to be in our best interest to simplify things. Just simplify some things. and Simplification notwithstanding. And that's why I think we need to simplify things. It was very simple things. Very simple plays. Then we need to simplify things. Now it's, oh, we need to simplify. Rain it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. Uh, the simplest plays are the best plays. Might be time to reel it back in a little bit and, and uh, simplify some things. 
simple mistakes. So we're making simple mistakes on complex plays. To me, the natural response is to simplify things even more. Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. We're going to listen to some Buffett before too long. Talking Packers right now and the idea of uh, simplicity, the subtleties of simplicity. That was a banger. That was one of Rogers' best quotes ever. And he has many. So we're talking about how the Packers can improve on offense. I know Joe Barry's a catastrophe as a defensive coordinator. I'm just resigned to that fact. It's fine. Fine. We're used to having a porous defense that underperforms. It's nothing new, but this offense has got to get it into gear. So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Kurt Texan says we need to, what we need to do here is to simplify things. Yes, I agree. Everyone chime in. 608-796-2558. Thanks for the text, Kurt. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you want to get involved, I am marveling. Yesterday, it was a bunch of Mike McCarthy pictures that Ebo posted, and they were just some of the best pictures I've ever seen. Today, I am just marveling at these pictures of Ron Johnson that his campaign account tweeted out. He's at a middle school, and he sh- he's signing the kids' shoes. And I, like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I... I feel like there must be some backstory on why he's signing shoes and I must just be missing it because ain't no way that a state Senator goes into a middle school. Like he's a LeBron James at the I promise school and kids just start taking their shoes off and hand him. Hey, uh, Senator Ron Johnson, can you please sign my Jordan four? There has to be some context that I'm missing. And I just love political Twitter because we never have that context. It's like, Hey, I'm at uh, it's the Academy of excellence. Does anyone know where that school is? Looks like there's a cross in the background. So it looks like a private school. I went to Catholic grade school. I've seen a Christian school. I know a, I know a Catholic school and I see one. There's a video of Ron Johnson carrying a stack of pizzas in, which is awesome. And then there's these pictures of him just signing kids' J's. What is this? Please go look at these. I implore you. I retweeted them at Wisco Grant. Please go look at these pictures. They are making my day. This is incredible. We're talking anyways. Uh, that's talking politics. Election is coming up. Just get out and vote, whether it's for Ron John or whoever else. I don't care. But make sure you, at least you appreciate the fun parts of the election while our, while our world is ending. Ron Johnson signed in sneakers. We're talking about the Packers offense and how I, I do think there is space to simplify it. You know, don't don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers talks out of his butt all the time in press conferences. He, half the time he doesn't know what he's saying. He's just talking to hear himself talk. And I can appreciate Talking to hear yourself talk. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. I do it for two hours a night. It's very fun. Some of us are just wired. We like hearing the sound of our own voice. If I didn't like talking, if I didn't like hearing myself talk, I would have stopped doing this years ago or I never would have gotten into the first place. So trust me, I respect Rogers. I, I get it. I respect what he's got going on. But I think a lot of times in press conferences, he gives these long answers. And at the end of them, I'm like, what did you even say? What does that even mean? My brother in Christ, when you say the subtleties of simplicity, I don't even know if I don't even know if that's grammatically correct. Is there a subject in a in a predicate in that? Is that is that a clause? Is that a full sentence? I don't know. But I do think whether by luck or whether he actually did know what he was talking about on Sunday, I do think there are a couple of different ways that the Packers can simplify this offense. Right. The running plays without motion have been much better than the running plays with motion. Now, it is only a six-game sample size, which is sizable, but not maybe definitive as an entire season or seasons. 
of evidence. And for the last couple of years, the Packers have been much more effective on offense, especially running the ball when there's motion. But hey, the NFL's a schematic league. Defensive coordinators are always scheming up advantages. Very reasonable to believe that defensive coordinators this year realized, hey, that one thing that all these teams are doing in motion, we found a way to stop it. That's how quickly this league can adapt and turn. And that's why offenses all of a sudden, after putting up points, 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 points for the last couple of years, we're watching games on Thursday night football where both teams are trying to punt the ball away in overtime, right? Defensive coordinators have definitely had a year so far. So I get it. Maybe the motion just isn't working. The Packers rank fourth in EPA per play when rushing the ball without any pre-snap motion. Great. That's something that we can identify. That's something that we can figure out and we can tap into more of that. Now, on dropbacks, with or without motion, the difference is only three spots. They rank 24th in EPA per play in the NFL with motion, 21st without. So what I want my head coach, and I can say my because I'm a Packer owner, I want Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to sit down and look at a bunch of these plays. It's all right, Rodgers. You want to simplify some things. What were the things on Sunday afternoon that you felt were unnecessary? What, what do you think we can cut out? And let's make a list. And then let's go look at the film and let's talk through it. And maybe Aaron Rodgers say, why are we running this motion here? And LaFleur says, well, actually, you know, from an offensive coordinator perspective, play caller perspective, I wanted to see how this corner reacted. And that gave me a clue for later on in the game to come back to that concept and run something else. And then Rodgers says, oh, okay. So I didn't know that. That makes sense. But let's meet in the middle. Instead of that motion coming from Romeo Dobbs, who's already worrying about being the hot route on a fourth and two, make Jawan Winfrey do it. So make Juwan Winfrey go in motion. He's not getting the ball anyways. Use him as your guinea pig. There we go. Problem solved. Look at us. We're making progress. Here we are. We're fixing the Packers offense. On plays with motion that Aaron Rodgers likes, identify it. Why? Okay, so Rodgers, you say on this play, you like the motion. You like this extra bell and whistle over here. Why do you like it? Okay, that's interesting. Well, we can work that into this concept. You know, this running concept, it's not working. But maybe if we take this motion that you like, and that you enjoy, maybe let's put that motion into this play. We're getting somewhere. We're compromising. We're spitballing, right? We're mind melding. That's what we need, right? For years, under Matt LaFleur, we've we've talked about this idea that they are melding what Matt LaFleur wants to do with what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. And I think, look, I like Matt LaFleur's scheme. If we're up to me, I want Rodgers to sit in the pocket run the plays that are called because I think that makes life easier on him. And it makes life easier on these rookie wide receivers. But I know that's not reality because Rodgers has played for a long time. He has a lot of knowledge. He's got a lot of experience and he knows what he's doing. And again, we've talked about this quarterbacks when they get old, they're just stubborn. They like to do what they like to do. And I get that. So there needs to be some give and take. I just want it to be intentional give and take, right? I want it to be thought out give and take. I don't want it to just be, well, we ran two of my plays, so now you go ahead and run one of yours, and I'll just stand over here with my thumb up my butt holding this clipboard. Like, no, 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 that's not doing anyone any favors. You're not going to build offensive momentum that way. You're not going to build any flow. One play isn't going to build off another. It's just going to feel choppy, and it's not going to be cohesive at all. It needs to be an intentional give and take. If there's compromise going on. We need to be compromising for a reason. Let's identify the limited things that have worked so far, there are few. It shouldn't take too long. This offense has not looked great. And let's try to tap into what's working. Romeo Dobbs. Let's watch a video of every Romeo Dobbs catch or every Romeo Dobbs target. Which have been successful? Which have been fails? Which have not gone well, but we think we're close? All right, well, let's identify those plays. Let's get rid of the ones that aren't working. Let's get, get the, the Romeo Dobbs concepts that aren't working. Let's get rid of them. 
right? Let's look at the ones that work. How can we build off of those concepts? If he's running this play on the left and breaking out to the right, can we add another play where maybe he's lining up on the right and breaking into the left? Like, how can we do more things to help our wide receivers, to help our running backs? That's really the name of the game, offense in the NFL and in the NBA, really. How many ideas can we come up with to help Giannis score? How many different plays and how many different ways can we set a screen and run motion to help Drew Holiday get the types of shots that he likes? That's really what the the job of a coach is. You know, we talk about offensive game planning, play calling, all these things that's the responsibility, self-scout, all these things we hear that a head coach does. In the most basic sense, a head coach's job or an offensive coordinator's job is to set up his players to succeed. Right? The general manager acquires the players. The offensive coordinator looks at the players, thinks about the players, and considers what his players are good at. And now it's the coach's job to get the most out of the players that have been given to him. And I don't think that the Packers offensive staff is doing that. I don't think they're getting the most out of Aaron Jones, as we've talked about. I don't think they're getting the most out of Romeo Dobbs. Hell, I don't think we're getting the most out of Robert Tunyon. That, at, at the core, is what offense and offensive coaching is about putting your best players in a position to succeed. There's no limit. There are no rules, right? Positionless basketball became a thing years ago. This has been a trend in the NBA where we don't need to play a true center, right? Like, remember those early Heat teams? Who was the center? Oh, darn it. What was his name? Crap. I want to say his name is Joel. Let me look it up. 2011 Miami Heat. I used to play with him in 2K. It's going to be embarrassing when I read it. Why can I not think of this guy's name? Carlos Arroyo, Mike Bibby, Chris Bosch, Zadrunas Aglauskas. No, that's not it. Oh, Joan Howard was on that Heat team. Joel Anthony. Why did I, why did I, it was Joel. Joel Anthony. The Heat were playing that guy in LeBron's first year in Miami. And then they realized he's actually not one of our five best players. Let's just go smaller and play our five best players. Oh my God. And then the Warriors did it with Draymond Green. And now, right, it's all about getting your best five on the floor and creating an offense that works to get your best players in a position to succeed. And the NFL is doing it now too. Debo Samuel doesn't have to be a running back or a wide receiver. He can be both. Same with Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. The Packers, it seems, are using a very limited scope when scheming up plays for Romeo Dobbs or scheming up plays for Aaron Jones. Line them up wherever. They don't have to fit a mold of a player that came before them. There has been no Romeo Dobbs. He is him. So let's create a system and plays to use what he's good at. And then the things that he stinks at, don't ask him to do those things. Why would we do that? That's not smart. That's not efficient. It's not a good use of resources. 608-796-2558. Call and text show. You can find me on Twitter as well. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this. And if at any point we want to get back into the Bucks, we can do that as well. Really excited about how their season started last night. And you know I'm just amped to have basketball back. So we can cover all those things. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome Friday. 
Appreciate you tuning in. We talked a lot about the Bucks and the Sixers and Thursday Night Football, and we did a couple minutes about the McCaffrey trade as well. Back closer to 4 o'clock. So if you missed that and you're just tuning in and we're talking Packers now, we did a lot of Bucks. Find in the podcast. Just look up Wisco Sports Show wherever you get your podcast. And I bet there's a lot of you that maybe just listen on the radio every day. Maybe you're not a podcast person. That's fine. I prefer live radio as well, but you know, your phone comes with the podcast app on it. It's super slick. Apple Podcasts, maybe listen to music on Spotify. Super easy to find. You can always catch up with what you missed if you're interested, and you should be. Bucks win was awesome last night, uh, and I just I just love talking about the Bucks. I'm just so happy to have them back, especially with the Packers being 3-3. Three and three. We find ourselves in a spot now where this noon game against the Commanders is a must-win. They got to win this game because if they fall a game behind 500 and then they go to Buffalo, they're not going to win that game. And I, I feel like I'm not – am I being a bad fan for saying that? I don't think so. It's just the reality. Buffalo looks unreal. The Packers look not unreal. So if the Packers lose this weekend, they're 3-4. and four. Then they go to Buffalo and they're 3-5. and five. Then they go to Detroit. And I'd like to think that they get some things figured out and they're able to beat Detroit in a couple of weeks, but – that's no gimme. So if the Packers don't win this weekend, they're looking like November until they have a chance to even get back to 500. And that's just not a recipe for making the playoffs, certainly not with a half-decent seed. And I get as Matt LaFleur, and we heard this earlier, there's a lot of parity, a lot of teams are 3-3, three and three, but that doesn't mean I want to be 3-5. and five. Look at all the records around the league. There's a lot of parity in our league, and the competitive balance, there's only a handful of plays that separates each and every game. All you can focus on is whatever the next play is, you know? you got to have that one-play mindset, being so deliberate and being so intentional with your focus. And it takes great focus to go out there and execute consistently at a really high level. It takes more than great focus for this team to go out and execute. It takes a miracle. I just, I watched the Bucks last night, man, and that team is dialed in. That team is nails. They go up 11 points at the end of the third quarter in Philly. It's their home opener. Bucks are without Middleton. They're without Connaughton. And then the Sixers put a little bit of a run on them to start the quarter, and then they come back, and they go on whatever it was, a nine, ten-point run. Bucks throw a couple of passes out of bounds, a couple bad turnovers, a couple of typical bad Drew Holiday moments, and... We get those, right? But we live with those for what Drew Holiday gives you at the end of the game, for example. Played some really good defense. But the Bucks could have folded. They could have said, ah, let Philly have this one. means more to them than it does to us. It's their home opener. We're beat up. But the Bucks didn't. The Bucks dug in. Grayson Allen with a beautiful cut to tie the game. Oh, that was such a great cut. Got the ball coming around the elbow. Left-handed layup. That's just good basketball. And then fighting tooth and nail to have an opportunity with the ball with Wesley Matthews to hit the go-ahead three and then digging deep and defending on that next possession. And Drew Holiday might have saved his best defensive play of the game for last. The Bucks have just this, they're wired a certain way. The Packers are not. It's obnoxious, right? I get that there's a lot of parity in the NFL. I do, I understand. And maybe this year more so than ever. I don't know if it's because there are so many good teams. I think it's because there are no great teams and there's a bunch of teams just fighting in the middle class every week. I think that's what it is. I, I don't know if it's a testament to how many good teams there are. There's maybe a lack of really, really bad teams, but there's also a lack of great teams. But that doesn't mean that the Packers should be struggling to beat Washington and Taylor Heineke at home, or even the Jets. Look, the Jets are a solid team. They got some talent. They got a nasty defensive line. But you lost by 17. 
It's not like Zach Wilson lit you up. You no-showed. The Packers no-showed on Sunday. And they no-showed in the second half in London. This team just doesn't have a lot of heart. And I'm not blaming the head coach for that. But I don't like my head coach. And I was texting back and forth about this earlier in the show with Vinny, who I thought made a great point. Right? This isn't about parody. If the Packers don't win this Sunday... Terry, Howie, Michael, and Jimmy, you're not going to come on the the show on Fox and say, man, this is just a testament to how good this league is. No, they're going to say the Packers stink. That's what they're going to say. I understand that week in and week out, any given Sunday, anybody can beat anybody. But it's like Matt LaFleur, man, it, it shouldn't take a miracle to beat the Commanders. It should take a talented team, which the Packers are, and a little bit of a give a crap factor. And sometimes it just seems like the Packers don't have a give a crap factor at all. Certainly not like the Bucks do. It was really nice to see the Bucks last night because now I have a measuring stick for a team that actually gives a damn, right? And it's it's harder to give a damn in the NBA when there's 82 games. The NFL, there's 17, 18 weeks. Like, everything is, is under the gun all the time. There's a huge sense of urgency in the NFL. Not really for the Packers. Right? Not really. Man. Like, our friend uh, Bart Winkler at Winks Thinks tweeted during the game on Sunday. One of the few good tweets that came from this game. Not a good Twitter game. There are really no redeeming qualities from Packers-Jets on Sunday. He tweeted when Aaron Rodgers bounced that ball off the ground in front of Tunyon, and then I think it was Sauce Gardner, wasn't it? I think so. He returned it for a pick six, and it looked like it was going to be a pick six, and then it was overturned. And Bart Winkler tweeted, well, that wasn't a pick six, but that'll still be enough to rattle the Packers, so this game's over. And it basically was. Like one thing goes wrong for this team and they fold. And I kind of want my head coach cracking some skulls. Like, hey, look, guys, you're embarrassing yourselves and you're embarrassing me. You're losing to bad teams. This isn't about parody. This is about you guys playing bad football. So get a grip. I don't want to hear that from my head coach. I don't want to hear, well, three and three. All the other teams are three and three. Yeah, but we're not all the other teams. We're the Green Bay Packers. The 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers. Eric's on I-90. Maybe, but it is Eric on I-90 is his name. I don't know where he is. He's out there on the Super Slab. Eric, you out on the Super Slab as we speak? I am on I-90 right now, doing along about 79 miles an hour. Oh, it was a beautiful day. I just stepped out over the last break, and it is gorgeous outside. I envy you. It really is. It's really a nice day out here. I love small talk about the weather. I love that. What's going on? Um... Hey, how about the Bucks? Yeah. How about You're absolutely Bucks? right. Awesome game. What do they play next? <laughs> Shut up. They play, um, I actually, I actually don't know. I think it might be Saturday. Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Shut up. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not oh. Google. You guys can look these things up. Every once in a while, I get a day wrong. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know. And, and the other day, I was not, I was not putting it on you. I, did, I didn't know. I thought they were starting that night, too. I thought they, they were, were too. They were the, there were only two teams that didn't play any games until last night. It was the Bucks and the Clippers, and that's it. Right. So it's really fun to have that back again. We got something to root for. I don't. I don't have much to root for this weekend, other than the Commanders. You know. You know. That's just natural for me. Yeah. It's not that I want to make people feel bad. No. I you know. Get it. But uh, you know. Um, you know. You were talking about that. Uh, Lafleur said. You know, these games fall down to a handful of plays, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they really do. And, and I and I did watch the Packers off and on last week. I was watching the game at a bar. I was watching Vikings. And, of course, they had the Packers on as well. And there was a, there was a series of plays there. 
and the Packers weren't far behind, and Green Bay got down to their, like, 40-yard line, and then Rodgers took a sack for about 10 or 15 yards on third down. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. Oh, yes. Now, what I think is going on, only because I listen to you guys all week, so what I think is going on is that if Aaron Rodgers throws that ball away at that point, they kick a field goal, and this thing's within less than seven at that point, right? Yeah, yep. Or seven, right? And I just think that changes the mood of the whole team at that point. But you take a sack there, you don't get to kick that field goal, and the defense kind of knows they're struggling stopping these guys, and they can't, and they can't do it. Yeah. And it just gets, it just it just compounds. So, and I think Aaron Rodgers is doing what he naturally wants to do is he wants to win the game. But maybe sometimes he's got to just go. I'm going to throw it away. Yeah. I'm just throwing it away. Well, Eric, I, I think what you're seeing with your eyes, I think it's backed up by stats. I, I dug this tweet up because I remember seeing it the other day. This isn't like an official stat, but I trust this guy, Zach Cruz, Menominee guy, by the way. Go Mustangs. Uh, who's at the Packers wire, and he tweeted yesterday, of the 15 sacks taken by Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers this season, 10 have come on third down, and I count five of those 10 coming on the edge of field goal range. So it is it is a Rodgers thing to take sacks on third down, and especially when they're in the edge of field goal range. It's like you can just see it coming a mile away. Because I think he feels like I've got to be able to do this, and he's, he's not relying on the rest of the team. Yeah, sure. He's not. He's like I. If I just throw it away here, we kick a field goal. Everybody feels a little bit better. Well, just a little bit better, and and we can maybe a goal. It's not always about field goals, too. What's frustrating to me, Eric, is when the Packers have a third and ten. You know, if Rodgers checks right. the ball down and they pick up six of those yards, you might not even be kicking a field goal. You can go for it, right? But when you take a sack, you don't even give yourself right. an opportunity to go for it, right? And that. That sucks right. to to have those fourth down opportunities taken away. That's that's terrible too. Not just field goals, but chances to go for it on fourth down. Right. So I just uh, you know that's just a little bit of uh, free advice. So it's worth nothing. All right. So <laughs> yeah. For for Aaron Rodgers, but I yeah. I hope he just keeps going. I just hope the Packers just go steady as she goes. Steady just as go she steady goes. Steady as she goes. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's keep like the Edmund Fitzgerald. Just oh, keep God. rolling. Keep rolling. Oh, why have we had? Well, it's my fault. Why am I asking why the Edmund Fitzgerald keeps coming? It's because I keep bringing it up. Uh, but I love it, Eric. That's, do, keep, that's, that's coming up. That's coming up now. It is, and we're gonna. Did you hear what I said earlier today? No, I did not. So, I so we had a couple of people. Uh, I had a couple of people tweet me last week because we were tweeting about the Edmund Fitzgerald and. They were asking if we were going to do anything special for the anniversary. And I am actually on Monday interviewing someone who makes documentaries. He's been on Discovery Channel, History Channel, and he's actually dove down in a submarine to see the wreck itself on the bottom of Lake Superior. Wow. I know. Wow. That, that's going to be, that's going to be, and you're going to have him on the show. Well, I think what I'm going to do is, I think I'm going to interview him for like 15 minutes and I think what I'm going to do is take, like, the best five minutes and play that on the show. And then if people want to listen to the whole thing, they can find it in the podcast. Because I we can talk about weird things on the show. It does seem maybe a little bit much on a sports show to talk about that for 15 or 20 minutes. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get, like, five amazing minutes of a good story or something from him, and then the rest will go in the podcast. 
I'm, I'm hoping that he finds the uh, remains of the 2022 Packers season down here. <laughs> yeah, not next Monday. About 530 feet and deep on the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Oh God. This, I wanted, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Right? Sure. And you, you were talking about this earlier. Is that you, you really feel like you're going to lose against the Bills, right? That's, that's well, like a no-win situation. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't you feel the same way? Do you blame me? Yeah, if the Vikings were playing the Bills, I'd feel like it's a no-win situation. Yeah, exactly. Without a doubt. You're not yeah. going to beat them, yeah. right? And then this weekend here, you feel like you could lose this game. I do, yeah. It, it could happen. And I just want to say as a Vikings fan, welcome to the party. <laughs> this right? is how it always feels? That's what it's like. This oh. is what it's always like. This is the only week I know we're not going to lose. Your bye week. Oh, damn it. By bye week. Otherwise, it's all up for grabs. Yeah. Oh, I don't like it. I want to I want to go back it, to the way it, things were. <laughs> it's early. It's re- it's still really really early, you know. We're just over a quarter of the way through. Yeah. Uh there's runs to be made. Look at Look at the Cardinals last year. They were 6 and 1 and you guys were feeling all good about how you beat them and that you guys were the best and then look what the Cardinals The Cardinals were crap. Yeah. Weren't they? Yeah, they were. They Last stunk. Year the Cardinals Yeah. Another thing, too, is that we still have to play all the teams that you guys have played, and there's no guarantee we're going to beat any of those guys. Yeah. There's really not. Yeah, we're one in the same now. We, we, we played garbage. We played garbage team. The Saints are garbage. Uh, Detroit's garbage. Chicago's garbage. Um, we lost the Eagles. They're not garbage. That's a good team. The Dolphins with their second and third string quarterback. I don't think they're garbage, though. We did beat the Dolphins, and I'll just have to say this. They got a pretty good defense. Uh, They cooked the Vikings on the sidelines at 120 when they were sitting in cool 90-degree weather. Yeah. I would say that Dolphin game was a a better win than the rest of them. And then the Packers, of course, you guys just chose to lose that game. We, you know, that's that's just how that went. Certainly seems that way, Eric. I hope you have an outstanding weekend and enjoy not worrying about your Vikings losing. We'll talk on Monday or Tuesday, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. You have a great weekend. You as well. That is our friend Eric on I-90. And drive safe out there. Drive safe. Keep it under 80. And you can go a couple miles over the speed limit, but take her easy. Let's take a break. We'll come back, wrap up the week with some Jimmy Buffett. Fins up. It's Friday. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake. All of those tourists covered with oil. Wisco Sports Show. It's been a fun show. You never miss a Friday show. You can't miss a Friday show. Fins up. It's Friday. We listen to some Buffett, as we do. Nice to hear from Eric on I-90 before the week wraps up. And his point about his Vikings actually cuts a little deep. He's like, oh, so you're going to lose to the Bills? I said, yeah, probably. 
And you're not sure that you're going to beat the Commanders on Sunday? Yeah, I'm not sure. And he goes, well, welcome to the party. Welcome to being a Vikings fan. He's right. He's right. Shoot. Damn it, man. That that cut a little deep. I wasn't prepared for that. Thank you to Eric on I-90. Thank you to Cone Roller, who had an excellent call earlier in the show. Packers got to win on Sunday. This is a must-win game. And I know you guys get on my case. Oh, Grant says it's a must-win. This is a must-win. You cannot be three and four going into Buffalo and then going to Detroit the next week. You you just can't. So the Packers got to win on Sunday. I think they will because I think they understand they have to. And this team needs to be motivated. Otherwise, they don't play well. See the last couple of weeks, if you need an example. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy Wisconsin-Purdue. Listen to Kenny and Heilpern. They got a great podcast they dropped last night, so that'll get you ready. Enjoy Badgers, Packers, NBA. We'll be back on Monday. Talk to you at four. Shakers.